this week I found myself wondering about your daily lives, wondering specifically how you start off your day. In your waking moments, when you come out of that deep and mysterious place that you inhabit while sleeping, what do you do first? On the spectrum from, on one side, my waking moments are spiritually rich and satisfying and set the tone for the entire day, to when my feet hit the floor, I just put my head down and power through, at least till that first cup of coffee or tea. Where do you fall in that continuum? I ask and hope you think about this because I'm convinced that how we begin our day has the power to shape how that day is going to go. And as Annie Dillard reminds us, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. You've heard already, I hope, that our worship theme for this month is vocation and calling. And I hope you will agree that we are all called to be our unique selves, to live more fully into the person that we were born to be. And we can also have particular vocations, like parent or teacher or one who fixes things or who feeds people. The call often begins with a longing for something more, with the feeling that there's something missing or out of place. But, you know, it's not easy trying to hear and follow a call. There's so much that would pull us away from where following that call would lead. But if you want to live a life that feels right and good, you need to do this, to pay attention to whatever it is that is tugging at you, to what is nudging you, whether you understand it yet or not. A call doesn't matter very much if you don't hear it or don't notice it. Some people occasionally get calls that come like a thunderbolt or seem like a flashing neon sign. But most of the time, it's more subtle than that. My message this Sunday is about the importance of being receptive. If you want to hear the call that is yours, it helps if you're listening. And in a world that produces so much noise, it can take some intention to tune up your receptors so you can hear that call. My call to the ministry may have started off quietly, but as I ignored it, it became this more persistent, nagging voice that just wouldn't go away. This gnawing feeling somewhere inside that there was something that just wasn't right in my life, which I kept trying to ignore because I was a little freaked out about where that call might lead. Committing to a practice of sitting morning and night was what finally allowed me to hear that call in a way that felt compelling and hopeful. 
But you know, if you want to ignore your call, if you'd rather not worry about what your soul is longing for, you are free to do that. And our world will happily keep you distracted with loads of shiny things. There's an ample supply of noise and activity out there, right? And there's something inside, too. Something in our own psyches that doesn't seem to want us to listen to that deeper but quieter voice. Something that's threatened by the kind of change that this listening can inspire. But if you're wanting to be avoiding these depths, then why are you here? The word inspire literally means filled with the Spirit, in spire. And isn't that why we are here? To feel more care and more joy and more connection. To remember how much it all matters to be awake to this moment and this day. If you want to hear your call, the way to start is by listening, by practicing being more receptive, more open. And though, you know, our contemporary culture presents its own challenges to those trying to lead a spiritual life, with all the speed and complexity of our days, this struggle to sense the sacred is nothing new. We heard about that spiritual dryness in Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you. When will I feel that I can stand before you again? Once I came before you easily and often, now, now I feel disquieted and lost. Does it help to know that even the psalmist, one of the spiritual superstars of old, could go through a slump too? One of the problems, I think, with taking up a spiritual practice is that when nothing happens in the first few days, it's easy to get discouraged and stop. But anyone who's done it for any period of time will tell you that we all go through dry periods. It just goes with the territory. If you've ever started a new exercise program, then you know it can be particularly hard at the start, right? Oftentimes feels worse before you start to feel better and stronger. Though Psalm 42 is kind of a downer, at the beginning, in the middle, it ends with hope. Deep calls to deep in the heart of the world. The creative energy of the universe throbs to those who listen. Put your trust there. You will not be forsaken. The the creative energy of the universe throbs to those who listen. But you have to listen. You won't hear that still, small voice until you learn how to quiet your own mind and teach your ego to climb into the back seat for a little while. And this can take some time. When I was in seminary, I heard a saying, 
Pray every day. When things get busy, pray for twice as long. I took a class called The Life of Prayer because the teacher had this primary requirement that each student commit to a daily prayer practice of at least, I think, a half an hour. My first thought was, how am I going to have time for that? But I signed up for the class because I knew I needed that discipline. And practicing it showed me how much I need that time for stillness and silence every day. So when I get up in the morning, I go to a quiet place, and I just sit. For at least 20 minutes, I do this. I try to quiet my mind and open my heart, and not to think about what may be on the news or on my calendar. Sometimes I pray for particular people. Sometimes after that quiet time, I open my journal and write for a bit. Almost always I feel more refreshed, more grounded, better able to enter the day. It's a lot easier to do this now than when our children were young, getting up and needing breakfast and getting off to school. But even then, I tried to make the time because I knew I needed it. Isn't there something magical about the start of a new day? The light slowly spreading up from the horizon, our part of the world slowly waking up, Whatever happened yesterday is gone. The new day brings a fresh start, a new opportunity, the chance to try again, the chance to try something new. Do you know Rumi's words that are at the top of the order of service today? The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. I hardly ever remember my dreams. And when I wake up in the morning, I can feel this sense of disequilibrium, like being on this threshold between these two different worlds. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I don't want to move too quickly into the waking world of facts and schedules. Those early sleepy-eyed moments are a fruitful time to be open to the mystery and hear those secrets that Rumi is talking about. Another poet, the contemporary poet David White, puts it this way. In that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other, more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, there is a small opening into the new day which closes the moment you begin your plans. Which closes the moment you begin your plans. These poets are saying, when you wake, stay open 
for a bit. Be receptive to the mystery before you begin the day's work. Each morning, we're given this gift and this opportunity, this chance to wake up to the mystery that is in us and around us, to celebrate this day and these lives we've been given. Each day, we have the opportunity to wake up to this miracle of being here and not sleepwalk through the day. Someone said, when you take care of the morning, the morning takes care of the day. And so I ask you, are you taking care of the morning? Are you taking care of this gift? If you want to make a change in your life, I know of no better way than by starting with five or ten or 15 minutes of being still. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Just beyond our seeing, there is this luminous world of connection that artists and mystics know about that we catch glimpses of from time to time. It is very near you. And if you look for it and ask for it and wait for it, it will come. This practice of waiting and watching and listening is essential for hearing your call, and it's also necessary for answering that call and staying faithful to it once you do hear it. Elaine Prevalet says her call to become a nun hit her like an unwelcome thunderbolt, and it took a while for her to say yes to it and to see the gift in it. She knows what she's talking about, having been a nun for so long now, and her essay, Minding the Call, it saved me when I was resisting my own calling. She writes, at the deepest level, the call frees us. It enables us to see what really matters, to focus our love, to dedicate ourselves to something, someone larger than ourselves, and so to enter consciously into that continual stream of losing and finding ourselves that is the mystery of life. Isn't this what you are looking for and hoping for? And if you found it, isn't it what you want to keep yourself connected to, to see what really matters to focus our love, to dedicate ourselves to something, someone larger than ourselves, to enter consciously into the mystery of life. These words we are about to sing, they are my prayer, and I hope they are your prayer too. Wake now my vision of ministry clear. Brighten my pathway with radiance here. Mingle my calling with all who will share. Work toward a planet transformed by our care. Amen. Let's sing all five verses of 298.
Thank you.